millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio, Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talk Sport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Clean off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World beating, big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. It's been another busy week in women's football. England were back in action for the first time in 11 months and the Barclays FAWSL threw up 13 goals across just three games as Sublime City slot four past Birmingham to put pressure on Chelsea. Come City, got round the back. Decent ball in and headed in. Just before half-time, Manchester City have the breakthrough. It's Sam Mewis with it. Arsenal earn their first win of 2021 and keep themselves in the hunt for the Champions League. Touchback from Raw, shot from McCabe. And that's goal number three. And that's probably the pick of them so far. And we'll hear from Jill Scott after captaining the Lionesses in her 150th England appearance. I think it's a big sigh of relief, to be honest, after waiting a year for it. Um, and uh, I'm just so overwhelmed that I really am. We'll also talk to Reading and Wales Anharad James following the news that she's going to be heading stateside to play in the NWSL. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Fake Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women, and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Hello, team. Happy Monday. How is everybody? I hope all well. Got a couple of cracking guests, as ever, for you this week. It's a very warm welcome to Chelsea and Scotland forward Erin Cuthbert. How are you doing after your weekend off, Erin? Hello. Hi. I feel nice and refreshed, ready to go this week. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. Molly Hudson from The Times, how refreshed are you? Yeah, pretty refreshed, actually. Pretty good, feeling good. Uh, Busy week in the end, wasn't it? Internationals and and Women's Super League. Yeah, it just feels a little bit relentless football-wise at the moment, doesn't it? But we don't mind that because that's what we're here for. 
Um, listen, we have plenty to get our teeth sunk into, as usual. First of all, though, I'm going to see how Erin is, because we haven't spoken to her for a while on Women's Football Weekly. Too busy playing football and doing other important things, Erin. But, but how have things been for you? Things have been good. I think we've just got to make the most of it. I still feel in a very privileged position to be able to continue to play football in a time like this and, you know, continue to work. So I'm just enjoying, enjoying going to football every day. And I think the the better weather coming as well. So it's making getting up in, in the morning a lot easier. It certainly is. Those walks that I do every single morning are much more pleasant when the sky is blue and the sun is shining. And it's interesting you say that, actually, because unfortunately that's just not the case uh, when we talk about the Women's National League in terms of being able to go and play football uh, day in, day out, because those clubs still being consulted on the future of this season. Obviously, we've seen the Men's National League be declared null and void. Um, it looks as if this is heading the same way as well. Uh, Tom Gary from The Telegraph uh, says he understands that women's National League clubs have been given a guide time of mid-March for when they'll get a verdict about their season. Clubs in tiers three to six await uh, that news. Obviously, a survey uh, was done um, and null and void was selected by most clubs in that, but those talks still continue. Molly Hudson, what more do we know? I think it's just a little bit like you were saying um, and Erin was saying about it being such a sort of privilege to be able to play and you look at the future now, hopefully there is a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel in the pandemic and yet these players still don't really have a clue what's going on, what what the what their season will look like really. Um, I think there's there's certainly a lot of discussion from some of the teams at the top of their leagues that obviously had a null and void season last year, were unable to be promoted um, certainly hoping that even if null and void is again the case, there will still be sort of special dispensation maybe for them still to get promoted, um, just so that they're sort of in the right league for their ability. Because I think there are a couple of cases, you you take Ipswich, for example, um, who are quite a little way down the pyramid, but showed in their FA Cup run um not this season, the season before, how they can compete further up. So I think it's just about making sure the right teams are in the right divisions as much as we can, whilst also being very aware that so much of this season was, was based on the, the pandemic and the general situation in society. Yeah, I mean, so much frustration, though, for those teams that are pushing to get into the championship. And you reminded me earlier on today that actually the FA aren't taking any more applications for the championship. But for teams like Sunderland, which we discussed um, when this uh, when the league was declared null and void last season, you know, Sunderland Northern uh, leaders in the third tier, 11 points clear at the top. Southern pace setters Watford and Crawley as well uh, also denied the chance to battle for promotion. For these clubs that are investing to try and get to the top two tiers of women's football, it's really tough at the moment. Yeah, and I think that's the the biggest frustration, I suppose, from from a, a journalist's point of view, from the point of view of, of the people at those clubs where they are investing now and they are taking it seriously and, and that's when you want to see progress. If the teams are good enough to compete on the pitch, then they should be able to be in the right league and I think certainly Sunderland and Watford would, would argue that they could easily um, be competitive in the Championship at the very least. So I think obviously we, we still don't know about what might happen to those, whether there will be a chance for promotion or not. Um, but yeah, you'd like to see in the future 
at least a reward for those that have invested because we know that's so important for the women's game now to to keep developing and keep going forward and in the long term hopefully expand the divisions as well yeah it really is erin from a player's point of view can you even imagine what it would be like not being able to play any competitive football for, for a year or so no, I really, really can't imagine, especially when football means everything to me and in a time like this, you know, football's my escape and I feel very lucky to play so. Um, and some of the girls in Scotland are in a, a bit of the same situation and, you know, t even just talking to them and they, they just feel really sad and down. They're going out on runs and, and the park, but it's just not the same. It's really, really not the same as that competitive element. We all play football because we want to win. You know, not running in a park doesn't give you that winning mentality and the winning feeling. No, it certainly doesn't. It's not the same at all. And we wish all the players out there who are struggling during lockdown, not able to do the thing they love, uh, we wish them all the best. And we look forward to hearing from you uh, next season. And we'll obviously hear on Women's Football Weekly, keep everybody up to date as to what happens with tiers three to six and the decision uh, that is made. Uh, right. To, to slightly happier news in terms of Erin because it's a big week for Chelsea Football Club, isn't it? And the Champions League fixtures announced that the round of 16 second leg match between Chelsea and Atletico Madrid is now going to be held at a neutral venue, the Brianteo Stadium in Monza in Italy. I hope that I've pronounced that right. Uh, a week on Wednesday, the 10th of March. Uh, this Wednesday, though, it's the first leg at King's Meadow kicking off at seven o'clock. How excited are you for this one, Erin? Oh, I can't wait. As soon as the draw was made, I was actually just so excited. And it's the same draw as the men's team, so it was always going to be fate. And they were 1-0 winners. It bodes well. <laughs> exactly. So we've got to go and do the same again then. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly have. What would it mean for Chelsea to win the Champions League for the first time? I think it would mean everything to the club, you know, we've been gearing up for this, all the recruitment we've been made and even every day in training it's just went up another level at the club in terms of standards and expectations and I think the standards and expectations that we are setting for ourselves are Champions League standards so we do have the players, we've got the staff, we've got all the resources that we need, it's just down to us to just go get it down, done in the pitch and hopefully provide a positive result and moving forward as well. Yeah, well, we wish you the very best of luck. Manchester City obviously in action as well against Fiorentina. That's an earlier kickoff at 4.45, but again on Wednesday. Uh, just another piece of European news for you that I spotted earlier on. Borussia Dortmund, Molly, have started filling positions for their new women's team. They're going to kick off their first season, of course, in 21-22. Uh, World and Olympic champion Anika Kran and ex-Dortmund player Christian Tim are going to be sporting advisors and Thomas Suolewski will be their manager. Interesting to see how they're going to build their women's team. Yeah, and I think it's so exciting to see big clubs like that really get behind the women's game. Uh, we, we've seen the reaction in this country to Manchester United, obviously, when, when they created their, their first professional team and, and their rise from the championship and now you know one of the one of the biggest players in the women's super league and i think it's again a similar situation with real madrid in spain and it it, it just helps the women's game to have those those big brands such the name borussia dortmund invokes such passion in their supporters and and hopefully they'll sort of welcome the the women's team um with open arms and we we might see the yellow ball um at a women's game in in hope distant future.
Yes, I think you cut out there, but I think what you were trying to say was hopefully we'll see the yellow ball in the not too distant future, and absolutely we hope for that. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others alongside Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert and Molly Hudson from The Times. Coming up, we're going to look at the weekend's WSL action. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talk Sport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football with Faker Others, Scotland's Erin Cuthbert and Molly Hudson from The Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the Talk Sport app. So just download that today and then go to our podcast section and search, search for Women's Football Weekly. Uh, now then, it wasn't meant to be a WSL weekend, but obviously with so many postponed matches this season, it became a little bit of a filler weekend, uh, but still plenty of action and goals for us to discuss. Come City, got round the back. Piece of ball in and headed in. Just before half-time, Manchester City have the breakthrough. It's Sam Mewis with it. So that's nipped in behind and Manchester City have a fourth. Yet another one to add to the growing tally. And this is going to be the second penalty. And Valerie Gova again. Can she make it two? She does. Just rolls it into the opposite corner this time. Well, fine finish from her. Nerves of steel. Tottenham, one over the top for Addison to try and get on the end of, oh what a delightful finish by Angela Addison, just waited for it to drop and then on the bounce, dinked it over the top of McKeever, deft finish, lovely run forward by Davison, tries to find, oh it's a beautiful finish from Davison, it came back to her, she took the shot on on the half volley, arrowed it beyond McKeever to bring Tottenham level, corner for Everton. Scott gets a flick on this into the back of the net. Jill Scott on the week of her 150th cap for England has headed Everton back into the lead. Balti. Touchback from Broad. Shot from McCabe. And that's goal number three. And that's probably the pick of them so far. The strike from Katie McCabe from outside of the 18-yard box. A powerful effort. Arsenal in control here at Banks' Stadium. goals this weekend and thank you for the music producer flow she just reliably informed me that it's amy mcdonald and bearing in mind we were just talking about the sunshine and blue sky uh, being back and what a good mood that was putting us all in this has put me in, in an even better mood even though it's the evening and obviously that blue sky has gone but lovely music thank you for that so let's kick off shall we with birmingham city nil Manchester City 4, uh, Birmingham pretty resolute for the opening 40 minutes, but then Sam Mewis breaking the deadlock. Two goals for her and an assist. Her first game since December as an opponent, Erin um, Cuthbert. She's uh, pretty impressive, isn't she? Yeah, and she's incredibly powerful on the ball as well. And I remember when we played them in December, I think I just bounced off her one of the times I was trying to chase her. But <laughs> she is in incredibly powerful and she's great in the air as well. And, you know, for an American player to have such technique the way she does is, is very, very impressive. And I think Man City have, have got a golden nugget there. 
Now, listen, I'm obviously not going to ask Erin about this, but two points now behind Chelsea, both level on games played as well. Molly, 42 goals in 10 league games for City, eighth straight win for them, an 11-match unbeaten run as well. I mean, it's getting quite tight now, isn't it? What an impressive run, bearing in mind at the start of the season, we were saying how poor their form was. Yeah, and I think this this win in particular almost encapsulated the difference between Manchester City now and Manchester City at the start of the season. They were really struggling. Uh, they were dropping points where you wouldn't expect them to. And we know in the, the title race in the Women's Super League is always so tight. Um, but they've really come through that now. And, and particularly with, with the likes of Sam Mewis, obviously they they made some really strong additions in the summer, but it took them a little while to settle down. Um, obviously, Gareth Taylor was was a new manager as well coming in, and I think now they're really looking like a team that that are used to playing with each other and a and that winning run that you talk about. It's just that confidence. They come into games now where you play Bournemouth City, who, who you know are a really difficult side to beat. Um, excellently sort of organised um, by manager Carla Ward. But they just come in and they have that belief, they have that confidence and they have that quality. You you look at the goal scorers yesterday, you know, Sam Mewis, Lauren Hemp and, and Caroline Weir, three of the very best players in the Women's Super League and, and also in form as well. Um, so I think the the title race is, is so, so exciting. And I'm sure Erin uh, is pretty buzzing to, to play Man City um, in April. And I think it, it's going to be a really exciting title race that, that's probably going to go right down to the wire. Oh, that's going to be a cracking game, Erin, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like Molly said, I think it really is going to go down to the wire. We're le- level on goal difference as well. That's how tight it is. It's you know there really is nothing between us. So I think that game, along with other every every the thing is every single game is going to be a cup final now because there's no point dropping points in other games and then beating Man City. I think they're all going to be as potent. So they're must win games now that it's only a two point gap. Yeah, you make a really good point there because Manchester United on 32 points, so that's six behind you and four behind Manchester City. But it'll be interesting to see whether they can take advantage of the fact they're not in the Champions League, whereas Chelsea and City uh, both are. Listen, we cannot not talk about the pitch issues that Birmingham City have had to deal with this season. Announced on Friday that this game would be moved to St George's Park because Solihull Moors... Solly Hullmore's even stadium didn't meet the required rules and regulations. Doubt as to whether Birmingham are going to be able to play any further home games there as well. This is the quote from Carla Ward about it. It's safe to say no one is particularly happy, the Birmingham City manager said. I want answers on why we're in this position and what that looks like for the rest of the season. I'm shocked. I still don't understand what's going on. I was given 45 minutes prior to tell the players and the staff it's safe to say nobody is particularly happy. And Solihull Moors had actually played there on Tuesday night as well. And this is just getting a little bit farcical now, Molly Hudson. Yeah, again, I think I wrote in my column this morning, it just feels like Birmingham City has just been sort of on fire this whole season. And poor Carla Ward's running around with a little fire extinguisher <laughs> trying to sort of solve all of these problems that keep appearing, whether, you know, yeah, if it's been, you know, injury crisis or, or obviously a couple of players were involved in, in a party with some Leicester players the other week as well. You know, more things that she's had to deal with off the pitch. Um, but particularly the actual pitch has become a recurring problem this season. I think 
it's still up in the air whether or not uh, this Sunday coming they'll be able to play Arsenal at Solihull Moors or not. Obviously, Carl Ward and, and Birmingham are keen to have Arsenal play there because we saw at the weekend, you know, the, the lovely St George's Park pitches certainly favour teams like Arsenal and Manchester City that want to get the ball down and play. So uh, when you're playing teams like that with, with such an array of international stars, you really want every home advantage you can possibly get. So I think they'll be desperate to try and get games on at Solihull for the rest of the season. But it, hopefully we're, we're through the worst of the weather now, which which should help them a little bit. Yeah, listen, you alluded in your um, column as well to the fact that other teams might well be looking at Carla Ward and have her on their radar if she's getting frustrated with what's going on behind the scenes at Birmingham City. I'm sure there'll be plenty of potential suitors if she did decide she wanted to move on. Yeah, definitely. I think she's she's done such a good job um, this season when everyone pretty much, I think we've certainly said on this show, was tipping Birmingham to be relegated. And by Christmas, they were pretty much safe. And I think that just shows what a good job that Carla has done. Obviously, didn't have a huge amount of women's Super League experience, came from Sheffield United in the Championship, but has done a really good job. And I think no doubt there'll be teams looking at what she's done at Birmingham with those problems that we've talked about, limited budget and all of those things, and, and you know, clearly could probably do a, a job for a number of clubs. Yeah, definitely. Right, moving on to Aston Villa. Um, ooh, slightly perilous, aren't they still? A 4-0 defeat to Arsenal. Arsenal's first win of 2021, which... You know, it really shocks anybody involved in women's football, but they've not had a great season, Arsenal, at all, have they? They're on 26 points, 12 points behind uh, Chelsea, albeit with uh, a game in hand. But, you know, it's not the kind of season Joe Montemuro would have wanted for his team. Vivian Miedemar opening up the scoring with a header in the 58th minute, and Arsenal kind of never looked back after that. Beth Mead as well with the assist, and Joe Montemuro's comments about Beth Mead being world-class and how she handled not being selected first and foremost for Hegarisa's first England squad before being called up because of injury problems, um, you know, just tells us the kind of player Beth Mead is uh, for, for sure. And that must be pretty tough for a player, Erin, not to be called up to, to a squad when you've been a regular. Yeah, no, that's incredibly tough. And I think Beth Mead got the news a couple of days before we played Arsenal and I thought against us she, she had a tremendous game as well. She's clearly using it to, to fuel her fire and push on her performances because I think she's been very, very good in the previous weeks. So hopefully that'll be hard getting back in the squad and the manager will have saw a reaction from her. Yeah, and that that kind of personality is exactly what somebody like Hegarisa is probably going to be impressed with, isn't it? But yeah, Arsenal six points behind Manchester United with a game in hand over them. Of course, three Champions League spots up for grabs this season and they're going to be desperate to close that gap, Molly. Yeah, and I think actually, just as we were saying, the actual race for the title will go right down to the wire. I think it's probably the the race for Champions League will as well because obviously not only have Arsenal got a game in hand on Manchester United they've also got United to play which is going to be a huge huge game on on March the 18th and I think actually that that game at the weekend you could see the the players were sort of lacking that little bit of confidence that little bit of rhythm and then when Miedemar scored that goal in the 58th minute 
it was just you could almost feel the the sigh of relief and then obviously the goals flowed the confidence flowed um and hopefully they could use that to really kick on now because it has uh, not only have they not managed to get the win in 2021 they've had such a stuttering season with postponements for for all kinds of reasons um so i think hopefully they'll be hoping that they can really get some momentum now going into that game against united hopefully they can actually play Birmingham at the weekend though they the last thing they will want is that to be called off so fingers crossed Birmingham's yeah, pitch fingers, will be okay fingers crossed indeed Jordan Nobbs on the score sheet as well a gorgeous long-range effort from Katie McCabe and Lisa Evans as well of course uh, teammate of Erin Cusper making it for two minutes from time right this is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 next up we're going to hear from Jill Scott after making her 150th cap for England and scoring for Everton at the weekend Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Rothers and keeping you company with me is Erin Cuthbert of Chelsea and Scotland and Molly Hudson from The Times. Now then, it would be remiss of me not to mention, as we were talking Manchester United a moment ago, to tell you that Mary Earps and Hayley Ladd have both signed new deals with the club uh, running until 2023. That's quite important uh, for them, isn't it, Molly? Yeah, definitely. They're two of the more experienced players, actually, that United have. And um, they've been really key in their progression since they've been in the Women's Super League. And, and now they're up there competing for the Champions League, competing with teams like Chelsea and City and Arsenal, who have that experience. And, and those two have certainly led the way in, in that dressing room. Yep, they certainly have. Right, the other game of the weekend, just the three uh, to bring you, was Tottenham 2 
Everton 3. Jill Scott, the woman of the moment, who we will be discussing in terms of her England 150th cap, um, scored the winner in the 61st minute, helping Everton uh, to weather a bit of a comeback from Spurs and eventually seal all three points. Um, Everton had a two-goal lead earlier on, um, early on, two penalties from Valerie, Valerie Govan, and their form has just increased when she returned from injury, uh, for sure. Uh, she's just a spectacular player, isn't she, Erin? Yeah, she is. She's such a threat in the box. I feel like, as a striker, um, it's so rare to have such a striker that's such a target player in women's football and, you know, anything that's put into the box in terms of service, whether it's on the air or on the floor, you just know that she's getting herself on the end of it and I think she scored two against us um, earlier on in the season. So it really does just throw, uh, show how much of a threat she actually is. So you really can't give her any time and space. You have to get really, really close to her at all times and she's very, very intelligent. Yeah, no surprise whatsoever that their, their dip in form came when she was out injured. But I mean, from a Spurs point of view, Molly, getting themselves back into it 10 minutes before half time, Angela Addison uh, latching onto a brilliant ball from Kit Graham and then Gemma Davison levelling things up on her own. They're really improving under Rianne Skinner. Um, she was doing so well at the beginning, but they're not still doing it against the top teams quite yet. But can you see this being a Spurs team that are going to just go on to bigger and better things under this new coaching regime? Yeah, I think, as you say, they've, they've definitely improved since Rayon's come in. I think where they were maybe a team that was, for a little part of the season, probably looking over their shoulders at a relegation, I think now they're probably looking more of a, a mid-table team. And, you know, we've seen in the league this season the, the sort of top four and, you know, maybe Everton as well, sort of bridge that gap on occasion. There is that little bit of a gap between those teams and, and the likes of, say, Tottenham or Reading. Um, but that they, they are able to compete. And I think actually coming back from two goals down yesterday shows you the heart and the, the confidence that they maybe have now that perhaps they didn't have earlier on in the season. Um, and I think ultimately they were they'll be really gutted to, to not come out with anything in that game because although they are probably safe, you you always just want to get those, you know, maybe a point on the scoreboard just to be absolutely sure because you never quite know what, what's happening down the bottom there. Yeah, and they could only hold on for, for four minutes in the end. Jill Scott heading home the winner uh, from a corner. What a week for her, Molly. Just it an incredible player I mean if you had to pick a player maybe that sort of sums up the journey of women's football more than anyone else in this era from from part-time to professionalism you you have to look at, at someone like Jill Scott and she's just the the loveliest person off the field she's so so bubbly and always feels when you speak to her that you have all the time in the world um but on the pitch you know still uh, even as an experienced player now she's she's one of the very best and I think actually she's had a had a big impact at Everton um an incredible period to to make that decision to leave Manchester City where she had that player coach role to go to Everton to be so focused to to see Team GB in the future obviously in the summer and tr do the very best that she could to get into that team and obviously she's doing that with the move to Everton um and I think just this week it was so lovely to for her to have that moment because 
she laughed, you know, uh, hope I don't fall in any potholes. It had been, you know, a year <laughs> since since her last appearance um, because of the pandemic. And it was like, is this 150th cap ever going to come? And it was just so lovely to see that game be almost a celebration of her um, as such an incredible part of this England team. Yeah, we'll talk about the England um, win, actually. 6-0 against Northern Ireland in a friendly. Their first competitive match in, in just under a year. A hat-trick for Ellen White, Lucy Bronze, Rachel Daly and Ella Toon with a penalty on her debut, also on the score sheet. But it was Jill Scott's 150th appearance. She captained the side. Let's hear from her, shall we? And then I want Erin's thoughts on what she's like as a professional and how much of a role model she is to, to younger players in the WSL in particular. Um, but I spoke to Jill after the game about what it meant to finally get to 150 caps. And she also told all the press as well about a letter that she received from a pretty special person. I think it's a big sigh of relief, to be honest, after waiting a year for it. Um, and uh, I'm just so overwhelmed that I really am. Like the, the girls did a little presentation to us last night and it was so uncomfortable because I just had to sit there and listen to all these applaud it and I know people will be like oh that must have been so difficult but it really was um but yeah I'm just I can't believe it actually I can't believe it but I'm I'm really really happy I got a letter from Prince William um and he actually handwritten it um to my house we've had it must have been about god going back 12 years maybe and I was at an appearance with him and I slipped in five aside and actually kicked him and he remembers it every time I see him, like, Jill, watch them tackles, watch them tackles. And even in the World Cup 2015, he uh, video called the team and he was like, Jill, no yellow cards. So I think it's great that the the pay, um, take an interest. And yeah, to get messages like that, as I said before, I even even checked my phone yet, to be honest. But um, yeah, it just seems very surreal. But although people will say about my hard work on the pitch, I think the most pleasing thing is, when they say that they've maybe met us and I've, I've been nice to them or I've gone that extra mile. And I think that's what means the most to us because I even got a video message off David Beckham and he was always a player that I used to look up to. And although he was fantastic at putting in crosses and playing for England, I always loved how he was with the fans. And that's something that I've always tried to, tried to be like. So to get their messages uh, mean the world to us. Oh, Jill Scott, she's a delight to, to talk to. She's so humble. She genuinely feels super awkward when anyone talks about her achievements. But second only to Farrah Williams in the all-time England appearance-making list, which is just incredible. And when you think about it, Erin Cuthbert, and you look at what Jill Scott's done over her career, is 34 years old now, has the potential uh, to go to another Olympics as well. Is she the kind of player that you look up to, to, to have the most amount of longevity you can in this career? Oh, without a doubt. You know, I think 150 appearances for your country. Just let that sink in. That's an incredible achievement. You know, the way she holds herself in the media and she's been able to keep herself on the pitch and play at such a high level for such a long period of time, especially with the transition of the WSL and a big foreign influx of players, she's still at the top of her game. And you know what? That's an incredible, incredible achievement. And I've, you know, I've been told she's very highly regarded as such a nice girl off the pitch. You know, she mentions about how much time she gives for the fans. And you know what? I don't think it's luck or, you know good fortune that she's managed to keep herself at such a high level because I think good things come to good people and she's certainly one of them. 
Oh, yeah, they certainly do. I agree with you wholeheartedly about that. And she really looks after the youngsters as well, obviously pursuing a career in coaching alongside her playing career at the moment as well and will do when she eventually retires. Um, but it, it was interesting because a lot of the players, there was, there was a penalty uh, that England had been awarded and all the players were like, come on, give it to Jill. And she was like, no, no, no. And immediately handed it to Ella Toon on her debut to take and that's the kind of player she is Molly and and that entire performance actually felt as if it was a big tribute to, to Jill Scott in, in many ways all we wanted to see was her on the score sheet in that game definitely and I think as you say she's she is sort of taking on a, a little bit of a, a different role now obviously she's she's still an integral part of the playing team but she does have have that um, influence as well as a role model as someone that's been there and sort of seen it all in the women's game and she she told us this lovely story sort of in the build up to the game she sort of takes the the England players on on what she called Jill Scott walks and um she took in the last uh England camp at St George's Park she took uh some of the new faces at camp uh, I think it was Lauren James um on a little walk and they all went went off and about sort of thinking it was just going to be sort of you know 10 minutes a little stroll and now or later, they were like, oh, can we go back now? Can we go back now? Um, but it's sort of Jill's way of instilling that discipline in them. and But also being there as not just a teammate, but as a friend as well. And being somebody that those younger players can talk to and, and seek out for advice. And I think she she it, it seems as though the route she wants to go down is coaching after her playing career. And I think it, certainly for a young girl, I can't imagine a, a sort of better role model better coach to to teach you not just the playing side but how to handle that as a person as well because you know she's she's done such a good job of doing that over the years yeah, she really does. Brilliant stuff. Uh, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. Those were the thoughts of Molly Hudson from The Times. I'm Faker Ruthers. Chelsea and Scotland's Erin Cuthbert is with us as well. And next, we'll be discussing the Euros and chatting to Reading and Wales midfielder Anne Harad James. On DAB, online, via the Talk Sport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the home for women's football. <laughs> Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others alongside Chelsea and Scotland forward Erin Cuthbert and Molly Hudson from The Times. Now then, if you miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app and subscribing to our podcast. Just search for TalkSport Women's Football Weekly. Uh, now then, Freshman announcing her impending move to play for the North Carolina Courage in the NWSL. We're joined by Anharad James. Anharad, how are you doing? Um, thank you. How are you? Very good, thank you. So you've obviously been on camp uh, with Wales recently, but then you've made this fantastic decision to move stateside. How did that come about? Yeah, it was a strange one, really. Um, I had a phone call one evening from my agent, um, and it kind of went from there. It was, you know, an opportunity that I always wanted to to try out if it ever came about. And fortunately for me, it's come this year. So. So yeah, I finish the season with Reading and then and then head off to North Carolina. 
Excellent stuff. I think um, so. Erin Cuthbert, obviously of Chelsea in Scotland, is with us as well. And I think Erin had a had a question for you. Yeah, um, as a player, I've got massive respect for you. Obviously, packing up and moving halfway across the world was. Did it come at a perfect time? And did you were you ready for a new challenge? Yeah, I think for me, I've always wanted the opportunity to play in America. Um, I've played ten years in the WSL and it was, yeah, it probably was a fresh start, a new challenge, something different that I wanted to experience. Um, I know the calibre of players that, you know, that are playing in the States at the minute and, you know, growing up, it was something I always wanted to do and for it to come this year, it's probably unexpected. Um, you know, it's something that I don't know if you've been the same in the same position, but something that you've always wanted to chase. And that was my, what I've always wanted to, to do is to play in the States. And I've stopped chasing it for the last few years. And then it just, it just come all at once. So um, yeah, it's, it's a fresh start. It's, you know, it's a new challenge, something different. And it's one that I'm really looking forward to. Hi, Angarad. It's uh, Molly from the times. Um, I just wondered, obviously, you, you touched on it there about the, the kind of looking at the US as a possibility to, to go and to go over there. We've seen a lot of sort of younger players sort of getting their degrees and, and whatnot over there. Do you think that maybe that more now will, will go over sort of in the middle stage of their career? Um, because it, it seems as though a lot of players that have been there have, have really appreciated that experience. Yeah, I think it's, you know, until I go over there and, and physically experience it myself, I, you know, I struggle to have an opinion. But for me, it was, um, you know, I've I've only heard positive things come from, from the U.S. game. Um, you know, the national team is so, um, it's, it's professional, it's successful, um, and the league shows that as well. Um, you know, the WSL is growing year by year and it'll continue to do so. Um, but for me, having played in, in this league for 10 years it was more a new experience um and like i said i've only heard positive things so um I, it's something I've, I've always wanted to experience have you worked out a date yet as to when you're going to leave because i think there's a so i think reading's final wsl fixtures the 9th of may um but then the challenge cup in the nwsl starts on the 9th of april um have you come to an agreement on a date yet or or is that still in the in the workings um, it's still being worked out at the minute. Um, I'd like to stay at Reading and, you know, fulfil my contract um, and play the last game of the season, which is, I think, the 9th of May. Um, I know that the league over there doesn't start till the 15th of May, so it's going to be a short off-season for me this, this year. Um, so I'm probably looking at flying out on the 10th of May and starting the season on the 15th over there. Oh wow! Okay, well you get what five days to get over the jet lag. <laughs> Amazing! I know, um, I know. That's that's going to be incredible. Listen, I want to talk to you about about Wales. You know, unfortunately, both for you and for Erin, um, obviously Scotland international, the Euros at home next season, uh, next season, next year, aren't going to be happening. Uh, how disappointed were you to to lose? I mean, on away goals as well, with Northern Ireland going into the playoffs, that must have just been an absolute sucker punch. Yeah, it was. It was um, a disappointing campaign for us as a national team. Um, you know, we underperformed in games that, that we should have been been winning. 
um, and it was really disappointed. And as a group, it was probably um, the, we were at that point where, you know, it was probably now or never. Um, I know a lot of the girls are, you know, are a lot older experience and there's a group that are going to retire um, in, you know, in the near future. Um, so for us, it was, it was now or never at that point. Now we've come over it and, you know, we're, we've turned a leaf and we've got new expectations for the next one. It's okay. We're going to go after, after this one. Um, but yeah, the, the preparations are already underway for, for, you know, what, what was, what is to come. Um, and yeah, like I said, we were just disappointed as a group that, that we couldn't do it for, for ourselves and, and everyone involved. How difficult is it not having a permanent manager? We've seen Scotland are obviously going through this at the moment, so Erin can tell us her experiences. England have had to go go through a real transitional period as well. Does it does it upset the balance a little bit? I know that you've got the FAW technical director, David Adams, in interim charge at, at the moment, but are you hoping they're going to announce a permanent successor at some point soon? Yeah, I think they will. I think um, the interviews are are taking place as we speak and you know I think they'll make the right decision and they'll pick the right the right manager for the job and I think that's the most important thing is that we build on what Jane um, has left us with the foundations that she's built over the last few years and we build on that um, you know defensively we we've been solid for the last few years and it's just you know adding that flair and attack to to our game um, but I have every confidence in the board and, you know, making the right decision and not making it too soon and just making sure that the right person um, gets the job next. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll speak to you before those World Cup qualifiers in September. But good luck for the rest of the season at Reading and we'll keep everything crossed that you have a fantastic time out in the States and hopefully we'll talk to you when you're well embedded in with North Carolina Courage. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Take care, Anurad. Thank you very much, Anurad James there uh, from Reading, uh, of course. Now then, um, Scotland, of course, Erin, uh, sorry to bring this up, but while we're talking internationals, 2-0 defeat to Portugal on Tuesday uh, ended a pretty awful qualification for you. But, you know, looking ahead to, to everything going forward, you've got a caretaker manager in Stuart McLaren in charge now. What, what are you hoping for the future and what can you learn from the experience that you had for qualifying? First of all, you're you're certainly right about the the disappointment in the qualification. It's nowhere where we wanted to be or expected to be, to be honest. And maybe that was part of the problem. You know, we seeded top pot for the first time, and maybe we thought that it was it was going to be an easy qualification for us. And Portugal and Finland both beat us on both occasions. But I think throughout the games, it's the story of our campaign has been we've dominated the ball, we've dominated teams. And we just can't get that final product or the luck's not went our way. As everyone says, glorious Scotland, you know, when the girl had to off her face against Finland and the ball ended up going in the net in the last kick of the ball. And I think that's literally been the story of our campaign. But you can't look back. You've got to look forward. And we now have to start a rebuilding process so that this never happens again. Because, you know, I look around the rest of the team and I see such quality in our team and we really shouldn't be in this position and it's going to be a really, really difficult couple of years um, to to be Scottish and to watch England go to the Euros, to be in the WSL and there's going to be so much build-up and it is painful, of course it's painful. So I think, like you know, Ang Harrod was saying, we have to get our appointment right for the next person that comes in our, uh, into the job because 
we've got a really, really talented pool of players and especially some younger players coming up. So it is a good time to, to be Scottish and a good time to get the job as well because we really, really will be looking to, to qualify for the World Cup and we believe we've got the team to do it as well. Yeah, you certainly have. And we wish you the best of luck for that. September, I'm sure we'll speak to you way before then. I, I can imagine how painful it's going to be watching a home Euros uh, like that. But I'm sure you'll be involved in it in some way, shape or form. Listen, it's been fantastic to have you back on the show. I hope you'll come back again soon. Thank you. Yeah, I'll definitely be on. You just you just give me a call. Well, always, you you know you're always welcome on this show whenever you want to come on. And good luck for Wednesday as well. We'll keep your fingers crossed that you can progress to the next round of the Champions League. Thank you, Molly Hudson, as well. Thanks for having me. Yes, always, always. Short and sweet, Molly, that is. <laughs> give you an opportunity to give us more. Yeah, cheers. See ya. I'm off for my dinner. Love it. Molly I'm Hudson, already thinking legend. about Chelsea midweek. Yes, yes, me too. Very much looking forward to that one at King's Meadow. Seven o'clock kickoff. Stay tuned. Right. Thank you to Erin Cuthbert, Molly Hudson, Jill Scott, Anne Harad James, and of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget if you miss any of the show or you want to listen back to any of our specials from last year, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the Talk Sport app.